Greetings from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're able to join us for this act of worship. St Bride's is famous for its ministry to journalists, and behind me here you can see our journalists' commemorative altar. We are aware, as never before, of the dangers that those in the industry face when bringing us the news. So our journalists and all who work in the media are very much in our thoughts and prayers at this time. However, we are, of course, here for all of you, journalists and everyone else. Do please leave us a comment or a like and tell us where you're listening from. It's always good to hear from you. And if you would like to donate to help support these services, uh, you'll find details of how to do so in the accompanying text. But now, may the light and peace of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Warm welcome to St. Bright's who are surfacing for the Eucharist on this first Sunday afternoon. Wherever you are in the world and however you are listening to us, we hope that you will feel very much part of St. Bright's family. Let us pray. Almighty God. To whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden. 
cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments, and to live in love and peace with all. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you. Pardon and deliver you from all your sins. Confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
A reading from the first book of Kings. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he arose and went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, else the journey will be too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. And there he came to a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thy altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire a still small voice. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken thy covenant thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. This is the word of the Lord.
reading from the letter to the Galatians. Now before faith came, we were confined under the law, kept under restraint until faith should be revealed, so that the law was our custodian until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a custodian, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptised into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. This is the word of the Lord. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Then they arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. And as he stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. 
for a long time he had worn no clothes, and he lived not in a house, but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beseech you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and fetters, but he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them leave. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus, and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how he who had been possessed with demons was healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but he sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. We'll be talking today about the Gospel of Luke, Luke 8, 26 to 39. I know that this reading today makes uncomfortable reading for some, some people. We have here the Jesus who performs exorcisms, and that's very difficult for us moderns, perhaps. But of course, Jesus was of his time, and in his healings, he could not prescribe psychiatric drugs or antibiotics or do a heart transplant, as they hadn't been invented, of course. Instead, he operated within the understanding of his times. And this was the way you dealt with people with what we call serious mental illness these days. This is how they understood it. Of course, I don't want to rewrite the Bible through my own convenient lens. Many, many people have and do acknowledge the reality of the supernatural realm. It's just in this case I think we may be dealing with something a bit different. It is a fascinating account of Jesus meeting with a man possessed by demons, and it's told by Luke, who was, we think, both a doctor and a brilliant writer. Luke is precise in his words and descriptions, calm and unflappable. I quite like him to be my doctor. But to me, this passage raises the big question, one that I had for a very long time before I became a Christian. The question is this, what is God like? I thought always that it was quite easy to believe that there might be a God, but I really wanted to know how he treated people. What was his character? What were his characteristics? To be truthful, if I found out that God was capricious or unreliable or cruel like some of the Greek gods, 
I wouldn't follow him, even if he was there. I just wouldn't follow him, and I would take the consequences. This reading helps us, and it certainly helps me, to get into the very character of God. One thing you certainly can say is that Jesus was not looking to be popular. He destroyed the commercial pig population of an entire region, and that's no way to win friends and influence people, especially if they were probably non-Jews, they were Gentiles. No wonder they asked him to leave and not to come back. Philip Yancey, who I think is probably the greatest living Christian journalist, wrote a book called The Jesus I Never Knew. In it, he imagines himself as a journalist following Jesus around and wondering what he might make of him, what story he might tell. It's a good way of reading the Bible anyway, to imagine ourselves into the life of Jesus and his ministry. And here there are two people that really stand out. One, of course, is Jesus. The other is the poor, afflicted man. I always think that when I come across someone who's very broken, that once they were not like that. Once they were children adored by parents running around playing who could have known that their life would turn out like this. Because now, in this reading, the man is a wreck. He's howling at the moon, roaming the tombs, which were thought to be a very unclean occupation. He's naked, he is filthy, and the locals can hear his screams in the dead of night. We imagine him uttering profanities, chained and utterly desperate. This is the man whose mental health has utterly collapsed. That's how I understand it. He's alienated from himself and from his community, and he is lonely. I feel sorry for him. I also feel quite sorry for the pigs who end up drowning as well. But maybe this man's family lived nearby. Maybe they were despairing. Perhaps they, they too would hear his shouts and felt ashamed or embarrassed, unable to know what to do. And then we get Jesus. And what I notice most is how calm he is, how unafraid in sharp contrast to the disciples, who I think were probably scared of possible violence, and it looked like they probably stayed on the boat. Jesus takes the situation in, doesn't jump to do anything at first. He does what will make sense to the poor afflicted man who no longer makes sense to himself. He casts out demons. He does it almost respectfully. He's the only calm one in the situation. And we all know that situations like this are not easy. The temptation is to run away from the chaos of other people's lives, but Jesus doesn't. I go back to Philip Yancey and follow the events as a journalist. Pig farmers, they've run off. Why not? I think probably I'd have probably run off as well. I imagine I have my notebook with me and notice that people are beginning to creep back. Jesus has a kind of awesome power. We notice that the man is restored. Restored to himself is the phrase that's used. It's a very telling one. It's a very moving one, I think. He's restored to himself. His condition has changed, his health, his prospects, and he is saved in the truest sense of the word. He had become a stranger to himself, and the one thing he needed was to come back to himself again. And we're told... He is dressed clean and in his right mind. Now, all illness is difficult to recover from, but an illness of the mind is particularly difficult because when we're afflicted, we don't know when or if we will ever be better again. And here is the man restored to himself. Maybe the real thing that the people around this situation who seem afraid still are worried about is that this is a vast change and would take a whole new worldview in order to come to terms with it. So, we get to the final scene in the drama. The man is restored and he asks if he can come on the road with Jesus. He wants to follow him, maybe a kind of courtier, maybe give up everything, do something dramatic. But Jesus says something very, very interesting. He says... Go home and be a blessing to your family and show by the way you live 
what God has done for you. I think it's a beautiful challenge, actually. It speaks into my life. There's a brittle form of the faith that says we should be hammering the, the faith home with other people. Maybe that we are saved and we then just leave them to their fate. But how much more interesting, more difficult is the instruction to go home and be a blessing? Start there. Sometimes going home and being a blessing, we end there. And finally, this is the question that really struck me as I read this part of the gospel. As a journalist, I, I, I don't think I'd ask how Jesus did his healing. As a journalist, I would want to ask, why did he do it? Why did he do this thing for this man at this time? You could say he did it to reveal his extraordinary power over the supernatural, maybe to show the might of God. But if so, he failed pretty spectacularly because, of course, he gets thrown out. This isn't a piece of systematic theology at all. No, I think the reason Jesus did it, and this gives us the clue to what God is like, the reason he did it is because he could and because he wanted to. He was stirred to compassion and he had to do this to help this poor afflicted man. He doesn't diminish the problem. He doesn't ignore the person. He brings him back to himself and sends him home to his family. Now, thank goodness I'm not roaming around the tombs, I'm not raving, but I feel a great affinity with the man in this story because like so many people, I, like him, need healing. And this story points to the character of God who is love. Jesus doesn't just perform a healing, that would be to diminish it. He offers something more than a healing. He's no conjurer. He helps people to be whole, and in this he gives us hope and a signal of the time to come when we will be whole and so will this world again. I believe in God because I believe in his character and I know that he will be gentle and bring ultimate healing to my life and to others even beyond our physical death. And that seems to me to be a very good reason to be a Christian. C.S. Lewis spoke about a yearning, a joy that only God can bring. The possessed man went back to his home and shared that deep joy with those around him. He was the great witness to his Saviour. Amen. We stand now to proclaim our faith in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we pray for the survivors of the Grenfell Tower tragedy, struggling to forget the horror of the night 
when their lives changed forever and their memory of neighbours flashing lights in their windows while calling to be saved. May they share the luck of Antonio, who now lives in a beautiful flat and has found peace, quiet and trees. May they see the moonlight through the shrouded burnt remains. We pray for the 72 souls of the loved ones who perished. We echo the Archbishop of Canterbury's concern about the treatment of all the refugees who may be sent to Rwanda. If you were walking among us today, dear Lord, we would hear you say, love your neighbour as yourself and do not wrong the strangers who reside with us in our land. All peoples are deserving of dignity. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the children in care homes who have been abused and exploited for greed. May profit no longer be put before children. We pray that the wrong children will one day be able to say with a smile in their hearts, there's no place like home, while nurturing their own children. We pray for the children whose stomachs grumble for want of food because their families cannot feed them. We pray that our government will no longer be starved of moral integrity. We pray for the peoples and leaders of the Ukraine that a ceasefire may be lit and the country rebuilt. We pray that the soldiers sentenced to death will be saved. Our thoughts are with their families. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the people of Northern Ireland and Ireland. May they not become chipped pawns in political games. We pray for all those working in the media who risk their lives, braving the torment of conflict to bring us news of strife. On the ground. We pray that an investigation into the cause of death of the journalist Shireen Abu Akleh will establish the truth of how she died. What do the gun, the bullet and the markings on the tree reveal? In our Christian community we pray for our congregation at home and online. We pray for Alison and Jeff and Steve Morris, who assists at our services. We pray for our Sunday Club children, their leaders, our choir, our organist, our director of music, our vergers, our staff. We thank you, dear Lord, for guiding us towards new friendships, which blossomed during the Jubilee, at our church, in our streets and in our parks. We let down barriers and fresh beginnings sprung forth. May they strengthen and endure like the roots of the aged and wise gnarled oak tree. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please stand. Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. The Lord be with you. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise, Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. For he is your living word, through him you have created all things from the beginning, and formed us in your own image. Through him you have freed us from the slavery of sin, giving him to be born of a woman and to die upon the cross. You raised him from the dead and exalted him to your right hand on high. Through him you have sent upon us your holy and life-giving spirit and made us a people for your own possession. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing.
accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom. And with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom and with whom and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness but in your manifold and great mercy. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen.
Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.